SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. We're talking to Kyle Eidelman today at SOS Radio. He's a best-selling author. How are you today, Kyle? It's great to be with you. Doing really good. You know, it's funny, you know, you hear the term influencer all the time. And even before social media, we think about how leadership is influence. If we're taking that maxim from, you know, John Maxwell, and you think about where influence is today with our kids and, you know, peer pressure and people who are opinion leaders, it's interesting how God looks at influence pretty differently than maybe the way that we did in our social structures growing up in school. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's really good to want to have influence and make a difference, have an impact with your life. That's all good. The question is, how do you measure that and how do you gauge if you're doing that effectively? And and I think a lot of us measure that by, you know, how many and how much, how many followers do I have? You know, how many likes do I get on my post? Uh, You know, how many shares do I have on social media? And what you'd see really consistently in the Gospels is that Jesus impacted people one person at a time. So that's the the theme of his philosophy of ministry. So much of the real estate in the Gospels is committed to Jesus just taking time for one person. Oftentimes, in the midst of a large crowd, he goes out of his way to see, to help, to care for, to have compassion on one person. It's interesting because a lot of times we think about crowds, we think about in church, like you're speaking to an auditorium full of people or even through the radio. We hope there's more than two people listening right now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you and I, even if. And so you think about like this way that we try to teach and we try to share and we try to impact people. And we often think of like this broad shotgun approach, but Jesus taught one-on-one communication and going after the lost, that one sheep that was lost, leaving the flock for the one because God cares about every single one. Yeah. And if you reverse engineer people who have impacted your life, you know, a radio show might have encouraged you, a, a sermon might have challenged you or convicted you, but probably what really influenced you and had impact was that there was someone that went out of their way to care for you or to speak truth to you at a specific time in your life. It was the right person at the right time with the right word. I look back on my life. When I was in eighth grade, there was this accountant. His name was Scott Fields, and he was my Sunday school teacher. He kept me after Sunday school one day and just said, Hey, I see in you some things. And he said, I see in you someone who is a leader, someone who is going to make a difference. He probably said that to every kid in the eighth grade class, right? Like it was probably just my turn for that speech. But I was at a time in my life where those words were really impactful. So, you know, the right person at the right time, taking some one-on-one moment can have tremendous impact. And I think that's probably how most of us have been impacted. It's somebody that gave us some one-at-a-time uh, attention. We're talking to Kyle Eidelman today at SWS Radio, and Jesus calls us to shine our light into this world, right? You know, And then we see the magnitude of pain and suffering, and that complicates it. It distorts our view of the world. And it can easily overshadow a lot of things and feel overwhelming, but you challenge us to reframe our mentality, to sort of think about helping people one at a time. But where do you start when you know that this world is just complicated? If you wake up and you're feeling kind of discouraged about the way things are going in your life or what's happening in the news and you're scrolling through and your news feed is coming back and just weighing you down and and you're 
bored with work and you don't feel like there's a lot of direction or purpose in your life, there's nothing that gives you more focus, direction, mission than starting to look through your day, think through the moments of your day with this one at a time perspective. And suddenly it changes everything. It, it changes the way you see your job and your coworkers. It changes the way you see, you know, going to school. It gives you a mission. It gives you a purpose. And when there's so much complication, so much pain and suffering, it can feel like I'm not really able to do anything about it. There's just so much out of my mm -hmm. control. But then when you take that and you bring it down to just one person, then it allows you at the end of that day to have that sense of impact and influence and feel like you've done something meaningful and anyone can do it, which is, you know, the significant part of this idea is not only can anyone do it, but only you can do it in your circles of influence. Like you have certain people that you can encourage and reach and care for that nobody else can because of the path that you're on and God allows you to meet that person at just the right time. Yeah, and it works that way too in our relationship with God and prayer. It's like, wait, we through Jesus have the ability to have a one-on-one -on -one communication with a perfect and holy God, which is flawed human beings full of sin, we wouldn't normally have that opportunity to be able to communicate directly with God, but Jesus makes that possible one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. You know, really what we're talking about is loving people the way that Jesus has loved us, right? It's out of the overflow of his love for us that we know how to love others. Jesus said in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. What makes that a new command isn't that they'd never heard it before. It's that it was a different, it was different than what they had understood before. So, you know, Jesus is saying that to them on the same night that he washed their feet, right? So when he says, love others the way I have loved you, they're listening to that with freshly washed feet. That's that's what made it new and different. And, and so it's understanding his love for us and then letting that overflow out of us to love others. We're talking with Kyle Eidelman today at SWS Radio, how we can reach each other in our circle of influence, like one at a time. And it's actually the name of your new book. And you challenge us to think about the way that we love people one-on-one. -on -one. And in the book, I love where you say, Jesus saw, like two simple words, just preceded a lot of the amazing stories that transformed so many people's lives when Jesus talked to them one at a time. I think it's 40 times in the Gospels we read Jesus saw or he saw, and that is usually followed by compassion and an action, but it all begins with seeing. So one of the prayers I would really challenge your listeners to pray, because I think God always answers this prayer, is to pray every day, God, give me your eyes for the one. Help me to see people the way you see people. When you start to pray that prayer, God will change the way that you see people. He'll allow you to notice people that you didn't notice before. And it all begins with, with opening our eyes and seeing people the way that Jesus did. You know, we're talking with Kyle Eidelman today at SWS Radio. Kyle, your lead pastor is Southeast Christian Church in Kentucky. You've been there since about 2003, right? Yeah. Last year, you and your church were saying, well, let's get real intentional about the way that we're living out this one-at-a-time mindset, because it's a community of people, but it's about relationships, especially when you're in a church as large as your church is. And everybody says, oh, I feel like I, I just blend in in a big church. But, you know, the stats say that normally you have about a circle of people that's about 100 people that you interact with, like, over the course of a month. It's about 100 people here and there, and we break that down. Big churches don't 
don't feel so intimidating. But we can get lost in a little church, too, if, we, if we're making it about ourselves and we're not involved in community. And it's interesting how you've challenged your church to really put this as an initiative to reach one another. Yeah, you know, it really came out of a study we did as a church in Luke 8, where there is the woman with the issue of blood who reaches out and she touches the cloak of Jesus. And then she tries to disappear into the crowd and not be noticed. And there's this really beautiful verse, it says that she realized she could not go unnoticed. And she saw Jesus looking, right? And she realized she couldn't go unnoticed. And so she reveals herself and Jesus then says to her daughter, you know, he speaks this very personal term of endearment. And so at our church, we talk about this idea that, you know, who needs to not go unnoticed? Who is the person you know, in your life or the person who walks in the doors that needs to not go unnoticed? And as a church, like that's how we want to measure impact. It's not by how many people attend or how many people come. It's by the one at a time stories. And so, you know, that's what we try to celebrate. That's what we try to to point to as hey, here's who we are. This is our mission is, is a name and a face. Like if I talk to my staff at church about, hey, how's the student ministry going? What they know I'm looking for is the name of a person. I'm not asking them about how many people came to youth group. You know, I'm asking them, tell me the name of of somebody. Let me hear what God's doing in, in that person's life. I think it's interesting because in the church setting, a lot of times we feel like I want my faith to be private, but it doesn't say that. It's about personal faith is totally different than having a private faith. The reality is that personal is always going to have the biggest impact. Like it's uncomfortable, but this is what Jesus did. Like we talk about taking a stand, but Jesus would often sit down, right? Like he would sit down and he would talk to someone and and he would get personal with them. I think of the woman at the well in John chapter four, where she tries to have a religious conversation with him and Jesus gets personal. You know, in some ways he gets kind of private, right? He Mm -hmm. talks to her about the five men that she's been married to. And now she's married to someone who's not her husband. And it's out of that, that he has an opportunity to reveal himself to her. And so the personal moments can be uncomfortable, but those are our best opportunities. One of the things I talk to our church a lot about is intersections. Like when you see someone at an intersection, when something in their life hasn't gone as planned, that is your invitation to get personal. That's your invitation to say, hey, I can identify with that, or here's my story, or here's what Jesus did to me. Like for me, like the moment you see them at an intersection where things have kind of gone off the rails. If you step into that intersection, if you just pray and wait and then step into that intersection, uh, it's that personal moment that has the most opportunity. You know, it's interesting in our culture when you hear all the challenge of how do we share our faith with people? And, you know, you think about like, oh, I'm going to go like Paul and go into the town square and just start sharing and teaching and preaching and connecting the dots for people. Or you go into your school and you stand up in front of your class and you do your speech or you use your commencement address to put something in there that's going to challenge your fellow classmates. But a lot of times when we're thinking about sharing our faith, it's just simply Jesus saying, hey, one-on-one, share your story. Like, this is who I was. Then God stepped in, and here's who I am now because of what he's done. I mean, that's essentially the whole message of one at a time. Yeah. And, you know, if you can connect that to an act of compassion, that's what makes it really compelling. So if you can share a personal moment, and then they have 
tied that or connected that to some compassionate gesture. So if you look at the gospels, Jesus saw, and then it would say Jesus had compassion. It's the most common emotion that is attributed to Jesus, right? Like usually our emotions that we feel are determined by whatever is going on in our lives. Like that's how our emotions are determined. But when with Jesus, his primary emotion was determined by what other people were going through. His primary emotion was compassion. And then it's out of that compassion that he would speak or he would act. And and so one of the challenges I would have is, you know, if you're not acting in compassion, like if you're just doing something to check a box or, you know, I guess I'm supposed to do it, then you're not ready for it. Like pray, have your heart filled with the compassion of Christ. And then out of that speak, and it doesn't have to be perfect or out of that act, And that compassion is what makes your words or your actions so, so much more compelling. You know, when we want to change the world, we usually start asking, okay, what's God's will? Or is there a big vision here? What does God want me to do? We're talking with Kyle Eidelman today at SWS Radio, and he's a pastor and best-selling author. Kyle, what have you noticed about the questions of what can I do to change the world that we all think about when we're early on in our career? We have these big visionary dreams of doing something grand for God. And so we ask him, but a lot of times we ask him to join what we want to do rather than we <laughs> ask him what he wants yeah. us to do. What have you noticed about the real question of God's will? You know, the question that we usually will ask is, you know, God, what do you want to do through me? What's the big thing that I can be a part of? How can you use me to impact someone else? Like, that's a good prayer. What do you want to do through me? But to really understand God's will, maybe the best question to start with is, God, what do you want to do in me? Because one of the things that I've learned is that the most opportunity I have to impact someone else is not necessarily beginning with the prayer of God, what do you want to do through me here? It's what do you want to do in me? Because what he does in me, he does through me. And so if I take a little bit more time to focus on, okay, God, what do you want to do in me? It just has a way of working through me. Jesus in Mark chapter one had crowds surround the house that he was in. They all had expectations of what they wanted him to do. And, and it says he went off to a quiet place and he prayed. He spent time with God. The disciples come to him and they're like, what are you doing? There's all these people with all of these needs. And Jesus said, I've spent time with the father And now it's time for us to go to a different city for me to preach and teach there. That's what I've been called to do. But the value of what he did, what he showed us, and if he needs to do this, and I really need to do this, is that he began by taking time for God to do work in him. And by that happening, he knew what the work was that God wanted to do through him. Well, we're talking with Kyle Eidelman today at SWS Radio, and he has a brand new book, One at a Time. Thanks so much for sharing with us today. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through sosradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.